At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. You know, as we come up to Christmas, you know, I think there's a couple different types of people as we come into the Christmas season. Uh, you have those people who are kind of okay with Christmas. You're like, all right, well, let's, let's just get this over with. Let's move on. Let's get past winter and let's get to summer. You know, you have those people. Uh, you have people who Christmas is a very difficult time for them. And, it, and it's hard because of uh, the, the loss of a loved one or because they had a, a very hard childhood and they don't have very good relationship with their family. Or you have people who absolutely love Christmas, who are obsessed with Christmas, and they count down every single day up until Christmas. Uh, yo, we got some of those here. That's exciting. Good. How many days till Christmas? Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, it's really interesting because it doesn't matter who you are, uh, the marketing and their advertising is going to promise you that this is going to be your best Christmas ever if you buy their product, if you just spend that $9.99 plus three payments and shipping. If, if you would just buy this perfect product or, or if you buy that perfect ring, she is going to say yes when you ask her. You know, I actually saw a sign as we were driving on the highway that said, don't get married with the wrong ring. <laughs> Um, or you have advertisers who promise you if you buy your kid that perfect gift, they'll love you forever. If you can just grasp a PlayStation 5, you will have your kid's love for all of your life. If you just get that perfect gift or, or you invest in the right thing, then it's a guarantee and it's a sure thing that this is going to be the greatest Christmas ever and it's going to be the greatest Christmas you've ever experienced and they promise joy and they promise happiness and they promise peace. But there's a fundamental problem because every single year as Christmas becomes further and further away, we aren't eternally satisfied. Even if we got that gift, it may break. Uh, that toy that was so shiny on the shelf finds its place in the toy box. That thing that was so beautiful to us before is losing its luster. And we don't find peace and joy and happiness in anything the advertisers or the marketers can give us because we have no guarantees in this life. We have no sure things in this life. The world cannot offer us anything that is a sure thing. And with all these marketers and advertisers saying that Christmas is about buying that perfect gift or, or, or Christmas is about getting the perfect car or whatever else it is, it makes us take a step aside and say the words that Charlie Brown said in a Charlie Brown Christmas, isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? Well, I wanted to share with you guys a little bit this morning what uh, we do in our home and, and a book that we share with our kiddos. Uh, this book is actually called What is Christmas? And so I want to read this to you. What is Christmas? Just what is Christmas anyway? Why do we celebrate? Why is December 25 a very special day? Is it about the Christmas trees with all the twinkling lights? Is it about the Christmas cards, the ones my mommy writes? Is it about the mistletoe where mom and daddy kiss? Is it about the Christmas play, the ones we never miss? 
Is Christmas about Christmas gifts? I love them very much. Is Christmas about Santa Claus? His beard is fun to touch. Is Christmas about candy canes? I think they taste quite nice. Is Christmas about Santa's list? They say he checks it twice. Or maybe it's about the food. It's debatable. <laughs> Mom's Christmas cookies rule. Or maybe it's about the snow. White Christmases are cool. Is it about the Christmas songs, the ones we sing each year? Is it about the Christmas elves and Santa's eight reindeer? No, that's not what Christmas is about. All these things are really nice and super duper fun. But Christmas is much, much more. It's all about God's son. God sent his son, Jesus, the Christ, from heaven up above. He came to earth to save the world, God's greatest gift of love. So Christmas is the Lord's birthday, the day he came to earth. Forever we will celebrate his very special birth. Okay, now I get it. Santa Claus and Christmas trees and presents, they're okay. But Jesus is the real reason we have a Christmas day. Jesus is the real reason we have a Christmas day. And Jesus is the only sure thing in this life. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises from the Old Testament that he made to his people. If you've been with us over the last month, we've been going through a series called Gift Wrap from Longing to Lavish, and we've been examining the promises of God called covenants to his people throughout the Old Testament. And these are incredible promises. They're promises of eternal grace and a forever king and a land and a people and promises to bless him his people. And what we know is that God is faithful to his promises. And the reason we know that is because of Christmas Day. Jesus is the yes and amen of God. All of God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises in the new covenant that he gave to us in our text today. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Will you please open there with me? Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. If you don't have a copy of God's word, feel free to pull out your cell phone. Uh, we want to be able to dive into the word together with you. We want to be able to look at the text and understand what God's word says and what we can be challenged with today. And I want to say to you today, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, today can be the day that will change your life and your eternity forever. It is not by accident that you are here, and we are so glad that you are here, because the section of the text that we're looking at today in Jeremiah is actually a section called the Book of Comfort. And what we're going to see is that this book gives us hope in the new covenant and the promise of God. And what we're going to see within this new covenant is three things why and three reasons why we need God to be faithful to his promises and that Jesus is only sure thing in life. First, we have to see that we are no good at keeping our promises. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. 
See, the first reason we see why we need Jesus to be our only sure thing and God is faithful to his promises is because we as humanity have messed up. Here's how. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in absolute perfection. Yet Adam and Eve sinned. And through the sin of Adam, Romans 5 tells us death entered into the world. And it says that all men have sinned in Adam. So by our very nature, we are sinful. And because of that, we cannot measure up to God's standard. Now, God's standard is absolute perfection. And I don't care how, uh, how, how much you think about yourself, you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us can measure up to that standard of absolute perfection. We can't do it. It's impossible. Because at our very core, we rebel against God because sin is our nature. And so we can't keep our promises to God. We can't enter into relationship with God on our own. If you don't believe you don't keep your promises to God, maybe think for just a minute about a time where you were in trouble or a time where you were in, in, in struggles or, or, or affliction came into your life. And maybe you turned to God and said, God, just help me. If you just get me out of this situation, then I'll serve you and I'll change my life around. But God takes away the situation and your life never changes. I would say that many of us have done this, if not all of us. And the reality is, is that because by human nature, we're going to fail. If we look throughout the Old Testament, it's a book of people failing time and time and time again. Even the greatest heroes of the faith fail. And what we see is a constant theme throughout the Bible is humanity will fail. But God is faithful. Humanity will fail, but God is faithful. And so what we need in our rebellion against God is a new promise from God. And what does God say to his people? This is written to God's people as they, as they go out and they are taken into exile into a place called Babylon and they're being judged by God because of their unfaithfulness to his covenant. Look at what he says to them. He says, I will make you a new covenant. Now, it's important to talk about this word covenant because it's not, it's not a word that we use very often. You're not like, hey, I'm going to go over to my buddy's house. We're going to talk for a little bit and make a covenant. That's, that's not something that we say. When we're in business dealings, we don't make covenants with one another. We make contracts. Contracts is the terminology that's used in our society today to, to talk about an agreement between two parties. But a covenant is different. Let me explain. So a contract is merely legally binding. A covenant is spiritually binding. A contract can be broken. A covenant is for life. A contract is an exchange of one thing for another. Both parties are benefiting. You're doing it for each other's good. A covenant is giving of oneself to another. This is what God gives us is a covenant. The greatest example that I can see in society of a covenant is marriage. You stand before God and you stand before witnesses and you say to one another, till death do us part. 
If we look at covenants throughout the Bible, that was the commitment that they would make to one another. They would actually kill animals, cut them in two, and both parties would walk down in between them saying, if I break my word, may I become like these animals. That's what a covenant is. Yet it's interesting because the covenants of God are between one party and himself. The covenants of God are created by God, they're sustained by God, and they're fulfilled by God. It is God himself that is faithful to his word and faithful to his covenant. So because he is faithful, he will never fail. Because he is faithful, he cannot lie, and he does not change. And that's what the Bible says. And so there's a new covenant that's going to be made with humanity, a new covenant that's going to be made with God's people. Now, it's important to stop here and say that this is to God's people. If you are not in Christ, what I mean by that, if you've never confessed your sins before God, realized you're a sinner, turned away from your sins, and you've given your life to Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, he is Lord of your life, then these promises are not to you. But the reality is that they can be to you. The reality is, is that you can be forgiven of those sins, as we're going to see later on. The reality is, is that you too can be of the people of God. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Yet we continually see that, that we as humanity, we, we can't keep our promises and we can't measure up to God's holy standard. Now we have to ask the question, why is it that we can't keep these promises? Why is it that we can't measure up to this standard? Well, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Have you ever had somebody tell you before, just follow your heart? Don't follow your heart. Because it is deceitful, it lies to you, and desperately wicked. There's a lie in society today that humanity is good. Humanity's not good. We see throughout scripture, if we believe the Bible, that humanity is wicked and evil and sinful, and God is good. And the only way for us to be good, which means everything that is of God, is to enter into relationship with God and to be in him and serve him. But God makes this new covenant with us, and he promises something. You see, if we can't keep our promises, we can't measure up to God's standard, uh, we, we can't because our hearts are desperately wicked, what do we need? We need a new heart. But we can't give ourselves a new heart. I don't know if you've ever tried to do cataract, uh, um, cardiac, cataract, cardiac surgery on yourself, but anybody ever do that? You did? <laughs> Breathe. That's awesome. You can't do heart surgery on yourself. Somebody has to do heart surgery on you. And God says in Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll take out your heart of stone and put in you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you. I will be your God and you will be my people. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He spells it out right here. He's going to give his people a new heart and a new identity. That new identity is of the people of God, of the children of God, one in relationship with God. You are in 
Christ. The Bible says that if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. The old things, they've died, and you have become completely new. In Jesus, amen? Amen. But it's because we are in Christ. Because you are in Christ. And God gives us a new heart and a new mind, and he makes us his. If you surrender your life to Jesus. So you think about this idea that we cannot measure up to God's standard. Our heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. We need someone to rescue us. Well, here's the good news. We have the promise of God's forgiveness secured. For God's people, we have the promise of his forgiveness secured. Jeremiah 31, 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his, each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. Amen? What an incredible truth. The word of God says, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you confess your sins to him, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. That's how far God has separated your sins from you. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to purify you from all unrighteousness. You're made completely new. It doesn't matter what your past looked like. It doesn't matter what you did before. It doesn't matter what your identity was. Now your identity is one who is in Christ. And one who is new and pure and holy and righteous and a child of God. So if you don't know Christ today, you can give your life to him. And you could take on a new heart and take on a new identity and be forgiven of your sins. You have to think about this for just a minute. I want you to picture uh, for just a moment that you are a defendant in a courtroom. And you're sitting there in the defendant's box and you know you're guilty. The evidence against you is absolutely overwhelming. You're guilty, 100%, and you know it at your very core. And you are condemned to be under eternal punishment forever, and you absolutely deserve it, and you know it. And you're sitting there before the judge, and you say, I am guilty, but forgive me. Pardon me, have mercy on me. And the judge looks back at you and he says, You are guilty and you deserve punishment. But I pardon you, I forgive you. There is one who paid your penalty, there is one who took your punishment. Your sins are forgiven. And not only that, he then says, come and be in relationship with me. I don't care what the world says about you or said about you. What I say about you is that you're mine. Let's enter into relationship with one another. I will be your God and you will be my people. 
it's incredible to think about that. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because God saw that there was no way we could ever be in right relationship with him on our own. And really, there was no way that we could ever pay the penalty for our sins. God knew he had to act. Jesus' birth is God rescuing all those who put their faith and trust in him. Because that baby grew up and lived a perfect life had a ministry where he healed people. He walked on water. He multiplied bread and fish. He had disciples. He told the gospel of the kingdom everywhere he went. That same baby was convicted of a crime he never committed, was beaten, tortured, mocked, ridiculed, and hung on a cross. that God-man who hung on the cross in his last breaths said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while you were still sinners, while you were still enemies, Christ died for you. That's true love. Yet he did not remain dead. He resurrected from the grave. And he defeated sin and death. And you can be forgiven and have eternal life. So I just want to say to you, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. You're not here by accident. God brought you here today. God placed you here. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never confessed your sins before God, today's the day. God's calling you. It says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, confessing Jesus as your Lord means that he's the one who's in control of your life now. So you're literally dying to your old way of life and giving yourself to him. It is a surrender. It's saying, God, I'm yours. And I realize I can never, ever earn your favor alone. I need you to forgive me. And believing in your heart, that's the very core of who you are. So it's giving your everything to God. It's not a small prayer. But if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I just want to have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes right now. If you're someone here today who's never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're someone here today who hears what I'm saying and says, I am guilty, I need to be forgiven, what do I do? I just want to lead you in a prayer. And you don't have to say this out loud. I just want you to talk to God. You can repeat in your mind and in your heart after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. 
I know that I don't deserve to be in relationship with you. I know that I am guilty. I know that the only way for me to be in right relationship with you is through Jesus. I believe that you died on a cross. And I believe that because of that, I can be forgiven of my sins. I believe your word that if it's, when it says, if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. I give my life to you today. I surrender it to you. God, take me. Make me a new creation. My life is yours. I give you it all. Make me new. I will live for you from this day forward. I am yours. In Christ's name, amen. If you're someone here today who gave your life to Christ, if you're someone here today who, who surrendered your life to Jesus, please come and grab me afterwards. Grab somebody. Let somebody know. We want to be able to talk to you, to pray with you, to get you involved because it is about following Jesus and we need one another. That's why we need the church. That's why we have community. That's why we come around each other is to glorify God with one another, to make his name famous and to lift each other up and teach each other how to live this life for Christ. And for those of you who are Christians, I pray that tomorrow is the greatest celebration of your year. I know for some of you, this year has been so hard. I know for some of you, this year has been uh, somewhat hard. And I know for some of you, this may have been a really good year for you, where maybe you got married or your life changed forever, or you got engaged or something really happy happened to you. No matter what situation you're in, tomorrow, may we all be thankful and all remember what Christ did. Tomorrow, may we wake up and praise Jesus for his sacrifice. Tomorrow, may we remember where we would be without Christ. We would be helpless. We would be hopeless. But Jesus Christ came. And that is why we celebrate Christmas Day. Because Jesus came as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will return. And he will make all things new. And we, his people, will rule and reign with him for all eternity for his glory. And may we go forth tomorrow and give God great praise. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.